This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the Fireside app, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana, and I'm here to remind you there is crying in money. Today, we're talking about being vulnerable with our money stories. And I've been hurt before, you know. I always say, if you love something, you gotta let it go. And if it doesn't come back, it wasn't meant to be. But then someone told me that's with people, not money. Today, to help us get real, we welcome personal finance blogger, Jeff Underwood. We also welcome a woman who's opened up a ton about her own money story, Paula Pant. Then from LenPenzo.com, we welcome a guy who's like an arm around your shoulder telling you it's all going to be okay. Len Penzo. And don't you worry, I'll swoop in for all of them to reveal their faults with my trivia. And now a guy whose vulnerabilities are hidden under a deep vault of jokes, Joe Salcii. Diana Miriam, would I joke with you? I wouldn't joke with you, would I? Maybe every now and then, perhaps. Every, I do have a problem right now, though, Diana. What which, is that? Which is that my spouse, Cheryl, whenever it gets hot, it's starting to get hot here in Texarkana, she she wants me to blow on her whenever it gets hot. But I'm really not a fan. I don't... Really not a yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to leave that up to you, too. I'm, I'm, I have no comment. <laughs> you, you stepped on my pun. What are you doing? <laughs> Everybody, welcome to a groaner to start the show. I'm Joe Salcihai, Ever Show Money on Twitter. And we do have a great episode for you. We're going to talk about getting vulnerable with your money. And uh, Diana, there's a place where people get vulnerable before we let let our contributors on this. Uh, about a year from now, well, less than a year from now, God, 10 months from now, we're going to all be getting together in Cincinnati, Ohio for an event where people get vulnerable. 
Absolutely. The Economy Conference happening at the University of Cincinnati, March 17th through 19th of 2023. I know that sounds a long way away, but tickets are on sale and we're getting ready to party. Yeah. And you said uh, just a couple of weeks ago that tickets were over a third sold and more have sold uh, between now and then. Yeah, absolutely. We are continuing to sell tickets. So I am... uh, It's really exciting to see this is going to be our third event. So to see how much it's grown, you know, since we started this and the first event was in 2020. It's really exciting. I'm so excited. I will be there and somebody else who uh, joined me at the last Economy Conference, Paula Pant from Afford Anything. That intro, that it kind of blows. (laughs) This show blows. I don't even think Diana caught the joke. I think she was so disturbed that I was maybe going. It blew right over my head. (laughs) Maybe going somewhere. She didn't think I was going. How are you, Paula? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. You ready to talk about getting vulnerable with your money? This is one of your favorite topics. Well, I don't know if it's a favorite topic, but I suppose it's a topic that comes up. Anything related to the emotions around money. You know, money is so much more uh, based in psychology and emotion than it is in mathematics. So I think it's an important conversation to be had. And you know what, Paula, there's a guy that you and I know who gets emotional every time we talk about money going goodbye, and it's Mr. Len Penzo. He doesn't like spending money. I don't. But I was going to tell you, Diana said she's uh, ready to party, and, and I'm ready to party because later today, we've got a South American theme party I'm going to. And nice. To, uh, yeah, it was cool because it was a potluck, and so I had to think of, you know, what's some South American cuisine, and I was kind of hoping Paula would help me out because I know Paula's been down there to... South America. For example, I was thinking maybe I could make some ceviche, you know, which is the from mm. Peru, the, the seafood. Oh, or I could, there's the empanadas from Argentina. Those sound tasty. The meat pastries. Oh, my God. Those are good. And then there was something called platanos fritos. Have you ever tried those, Paula? Platanos fritos. Uh, platanos fritos. I mean, it sounds familiar, but I can't quite place it. The, fr- the fried I, plantains. Oh, I thought that was Spanish plantains. for lots of fritos. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> no. And then there's something I think it's called so, arepas, which is which is a arepas. flatbread sandwich. Oh, arepas. those are delicious. Yeah, you like those? Oh but my I'm, god, yeah, those are anyways, amazing. I, I didn't go with any of those. So, no. well, what'd you I, go I, with? I Come on. Well, I'm going with the chili dogs <laughs> from Chile. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Diana. At least mine was short. It didn't take all damn day like Leds did. I fell asleep, honestly. <laughs> like, welcome to the you South know, it's American- an art. You got to set the whole thing up, right? That's part of the. Just never mind. Re- reeling them in, Mister Penzo, <laughs> the guy who's wondering why the hell he's here. Mister Jeff Underwood joins us. Hey, I am a big fan of dad humor, and so the chili dog is dad humor approved by me. That is, it was painful, Jeff. It was just damn, I've been here for 10 years. It's damn painful. But the fact that you're here is exciting. Tell everybody about what you do because you and I got to meet up when I was in San Diego and I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am a money nerd and I have just needed an outlet to just get all of my, my money nerdiness out of my system. And so I feel like that is what started my blog last year was I needed this catharsis of these thoughts and ideas to just kind of get it out. And I thought on the topic of vulnerability, which I think we're going to cover later, I was like, you know, even though it's going to make me a little bit exposed and, and raw by kind of sharing about what I've done, I would rather do that 
with the hope that maybe it would help some people out there, even though it makes it easier to criticize somebody. And I also wanted to take back kind of like the word homo because my blog is homo.money. And I wanted to just like make it more of a positive. And so HOMO is an acronym that I created for the four stages of my journey to financial independence, which is hustle, own, money, opulence. And so anytime I make a blog post, I, I tag it with one of those four categories. And I'm right now in Coast FI. So I would say that I'm kind of in that money stage. But every once in a while, I dip my toe into the opulence and kind of treat myself to different things. You have such an amazing story. You also served in our military. I did. Yes, sir. Six years in the United States Navy. And so now I'm uh, enjoying the better part for me, which is uh, the VA benefits and uh, enjoying a government job. <laughs> Stability. That is fabulous. Well, we got Jeff here. We got Len here. We got Paula here, Diana. We got all the dad jokes apparently coming out today. We're going to get this party started in just a second. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equalizing Lender. All right, let's talk vulnerability and your money. You know, the piece that was the inspiration for this uh, comes to us from uh, Clever Girl Finance, uh, Bola Sucumbi's fantastic brand. And the piece is called Being Vulnerable to Achieve Your Money Goals. It's written by Alex Laredo. But as I was flipping through this piece, I thought about how when I first began writing about money and about how transitioning from being a financial planner over to writing about money, I realized very quickly that people didn't want to hear, you know, how to open a Roth IRA and three easy steps. Well, maybe they did want to hear about that, but they really wanted to hear that I screwed it up. 
and that there were things that I got wrong. And that was initially so hard to write about. And Len, I guess we're going to go in chronological order of who I think has had their online personas the longest. Len, was it difficult for you to kind of turn on that vulnerability when you started writing and you knew that it was going to be public and out there? No, it wasn't. Because It wasn't. Now, well, of course not, because I mean, I was probably the... F- first or one of the very first to even use a blog with my own name. I mean, back when I started all these personal finance blogs, everybody had an alias, if you remember. You know, now it's kind of more in vogue. Everybody's using their names. But, but that makes it, but, but I think that would make it harder because as you know, you and I have known each other a long time. I had to go under an alias and it wasn't because I really wanted an alias. It was because of the fact that I had a non-compete agreement. And even though I wasn't competing <laughs> when I sold my financial planning business, I thought maybe the buyer of my business might call it that. And I just wanted to avoid a lawsuit. So, but yeah, using but- your own name means you're out there. Your friends can put in any search engine, Len Penzo, and yep. there you are. Yeah. And well, so I guess my point is I wasn't worried about that kind of stuff. You know, I, I was totally okay with, with exposing everything about my finances. Do you worry about it now more now that everybody's actually, online I do. More? You do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, I do. And I will say one of the drawbacks, you know, being sometimes you can be so open. I mean, I had to freeze my credit score my credit reports because I mean, every I, people had most of the keys to my credit castle, you know, from all the stuff I was revealing on my blog. So, you know, I had to take some protections by freezing my credit and, and that stuff, but that's like a small price to pay. But now as I am older, yes, I do kind of regret sharing a few things back uh, that I was sharing. Paula, how about you? Was it very difficult to be out in the open? Here's Paula Pant uh, writing her deepest fears on the internet. I don't think so. You neither. Yeah. I guess I have like selective vulnerability. And when it comes to the topic of money, I'm fairly open. Like I, I don't feel a lot of like shame or embarrassment or guilt or fear of concern or criticism. I mean, that's sort of an area where right from the beginning, you know, I feel like it's, it's relatable to say, Hey, I'm broke right now. Or, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm doing really well, but, but back five years ago, I wasn't, or, you know, like the whole journey and kind of working through the ups and downs of income and net worth and, accumulating assets and and figuring it all out. Like, I just feel like that's really relatable. And so there are certainly other topics that I have, you know, chosen not to discuss publicly, Uh, you know, everything and some of which have changed, some of which I still do not discuss publicly and some of which I do like, like for example, 15 years ago, I would never talk publicly about my weight or eating or, you know, anything like that. These days, I'm much more apt to talk about a a topic like that publicly. But when it comes to the topic of money specifically, as opposed to other avenues of my life, I always felt comfortable right from the start. So you choose the topics that you're going to share and that you're not going to share. Exactly. Exactly. Have, Have you though been questioned about those topics that you don't share? Every now and again, um, is particularly as it relates to money. So for example, you know, people might ask me a question related to relationships as it relates to money. And I don't like talking about that kind of stuff. I just sort of blow it off and and then kind of go to the heart of the question. Like I ask myself, what is this person really trying to ask? Like zoom out wide lens. What information do they want that they can apply to their own lives? And then I address that. So you were ignoring me. 
Paula, when I sent you that question. <laughs> it's, it, it's actually funny that you say that, Paula, because it makes me, makes me remember I had a client that came in one day and just before he'd come into our office for his financial planning meeting, his young daughter had asked where babies come from. And, and he's like, oh no, already? Like she's six years old. Like, are we going to go down the entire path right now at six years old? And then he remembered the advice, which is kind of what you're talking about with money, answered the exact question and then asked them if that's sufficient. And if it's not, then, then move on. So he said, well, you came from your mom. Babies come from their mom. And then he said, is that what you wanted to know? And daughter said, yeah, thanks. Good. And he's like, oh, thank God. I'm I'm, I'm off of it for just a little longer. So Jeff, how about you? Very difficult to be open about your money and everything about your life? I think that it's all for me just been a part of the whole like self-discovery process of human development because uh, like I, I had a post once about coming out of the closet personally, professionally, and financially. Oh, and so I, yeah. Three, three different ways coming out of the closet. <laughs> Yeah, the trifecta. So I think that uh, because it's just kind of like muscle memory that I've just had to be used to kind of blazing my own trail and kind of like really claiming my identity in each of those settings that I guess coming out financially was just like, all right, well, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. Maybe I might feel like I'm out on a limb for a period of time, but I guess I'm just kind of used to that. To what you and Paula were talking about, um, I think uh, that I still will question from time to time when I'm about to make a post, is this bordering on being helpful and inspiring or is this coming across kind of like I'm being braggy and gross? And So then I'll show it to a friend before I hit publish and I'm like, you know, what's your read on this? What's your first take? Because uh, I, I don't want anybody to get that impression. And so I think it's a, it's a careful line that we have to constantly walk if we have something great to share. And uh, to, to what Len was saying about, um, you know, that he regrets maybe some of the things he's posted in the past, what's helped give me a sense of, uh, I guess, confidence to just like put it out there is uh, identity theft protection insurance. You know, it's $4 a month. And uh, if, if there were ever anything to happen, I would have a case manager assigned and just kind of that person would make it their job to clear up all that mess for me so it wouldn't become my part-time job. Did you get that right away when you started posting online? I, I had already had it through my credit union. And, uh, you know, when people talk about, like, uh, having their identity stolen and don't use a credit card if you're buying something online, like, I had, I've had it for probably close to 10 years. So, yeah, I, just then going into having being a brand um, as a personal finance blogger, then it was just kind of gave me that extra boost of confidence. I want to ask you one more follow-up about your coming out post because, you know, where where a lot of people in this space will have a post that just talks about a financial misstep to have one that is three different parts of your life altogether. I just can't imagine hitting publish. Like that moment, Jeff, must have been excruciating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, a lot of times they'll say that when you write about something, if you make it personal, that that really connects with people. 
And it, it was a little scary to put it out there, but I think it may have been the financial part was the scariest of the three of sharing all of that publicly. And I think it probably got the best feedback of anything that I ever shared. Cause usually when I finish a blog post, I'll uh, share it on social media, um, Facebook specifically because, uh, I'm 42. And so, you know, us old men, we <laughs> like, uh, we like Facebook cause we're, that's where the dinosaurs go. To <laughs> I can't be on TikTok with the kids anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. But that also says too that a lot of the fear that we have when we share, we get vulnerable. I think is between our ears. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, and I think that most people they might just be in their own head, and they're just being they're being self conscious about themselves, and they're probably more caught up in whatever's going on in their lives to really care necessarily about what we're sharing and being so vulnerable about sharing ourselves. That's one of the great truths, Len, that I try to teach myself all the time, or at least remember all the time, is that people aren't thinking about me nearly as much as they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> well, that's, isn't that everybody's favorite subject is yes. themselves? I mean, <laughs> just talk about me. Hey, that's a, hey, that's a little secret, by the way, for introverts, uh, you know, people who, who find themselves like going to parties and one of the best ways to break the ice and you're an introvert is just ask a lot of questions of all the guests about themselves. And uh, that, you know, because I'm kind of introverted in that way, too. And and that's how I became uh, able to not be an introvert at parties. Uh, that's serious, by, by the way. Yeah, don't they say that the sound of our own voice is like one of the most beautiful sounds to the human ear? Yeah. And well, and I've also heard to that note, Jeff, that if you want to make friends, just keep saying that person's name, right? Say their name over oh, and over because people love hearing their name. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Not the sound of our voice, but the sound of our <laughs> The sound of our when, name. When, when we hear somebody say our name, thank you. Well, maybe it's all the above. It, it might be all the above. Let's dive into these topics because I think these are some uh, important topics to cover. The first one that they talk about here in the piece, they talk about... Uh, first of all, being honest with friends when you can't afford to hang out. Paula, I remember those days when I had no money. My friends want to go to an expensive restaurant for a Sunday brunch or something. And I'm thinking, yeah, how am I going to talk my way out of this one? That, that was tough. I would say for anyone who's dealing with that, one of the kind of ways to handle it is it is to say, hey, I'm, I'm saving up for X. Like uh, whether it's I'm trying to pay off my student loans or I'm saving up for uh, oh, we're, we're saving for a house right now. We're saving for a wedding right now, whatever it is. Because that way it's framed a little bit more positively. It's not, I lack money. It's, I have a goal to pay off my student loans. And so, oh yeah, no, I don't really want to go to brunch because it's going to be 50 bucks and I'm just, I'm trying to get my student loans paid off in the next two years. And then suggest some sort of alternative. Because I think the other party is wondering, like, are you making an excuse because you don't want to hang out with me? Or is it genuinely a money thing? Like that, the other party might be wondering that. And so, so long as you signal, like, I really do want to hang out with you. It's just, why don't we go to the park and I'll bring a bag of Cheetos or whatever, you know? <laughs> or Fritos. Because, or Fritos, yes. Because, Len, what's Spanish for lots of Fritos? What is it? It's uh, Platanos Fritos. Yes. Yes. Lots, <laughs> lots, lots of Fritos. Uh, Jeff, you know what? I just realized, I, I just realized why I don't have a lot of friends is because I'm, I was the guy who always just said, I don't feel like going. Right? I wasn't going to explain it. 
No, Lem was the guy that said to your face, I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say any, I didn't bring my budget into it or anything. I just said, ah, not today. Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Jeff, for people listening that are struggling with that, anything to add on to what Paula said? Yeah, I would love to uh, piggyback on uh, when Paula mentioned brunch, my brain lit up and I was like, oh yeah, a power tip that I like to do because we love going to brunch in the neighborhood is uh, to make a plan to meet up at someone's house who lives near the brunch location beforehand. And if someone's not going to host and cook the brunch at their home, to just bring a bottle of Champers maybe with your juice of choice if you're going to make mimosas. And, you know, one bottle of champagne from Trader Joe's or the grocery store is probably less than, I don't know, 10 bucks, five, 10 bucks. And then that would be like one serving for one flute glass of champagne out at a brunch place. So, you know, bring the bottle and that's like four glasses of champagne um, out at a restaurant. And then you go from being someone who maybe feels self-conscious about, well, I don't want to spend a lot of money. Now, all of a sudden, you're like the hero. Hey, Jeff, you can save even more money with Two Buck Chuck. I love Two Buck Chuck. Yes. Isn't it with inflation, though, like Four Buck Chuck now? Yeah, it's probably Four Buck Chuck. (laughs) Two ninety nine Buck Chuck. Right. You know what's funny, Jeff, is that uh, there's a great book called Never Eat Alone, a fantastic book about networking. I don't know if you guys have read this book. But in it, they talk about instead of going to a restaurant at all, having a potluck with your friends. So when you talk about in the neighborhood, you know, having people come over and, and, and bring in a glass of whatever, a bottle of whatever, man, if everybody just brings something like Paul. Paula, when you talked about having an alternative, I mean, I think that's a great alternative. And he said there's something communal about making these pots of food that everybody is is from together. Maybe your results during COVID not as good as they were pre-COVID <laughs> when this book was written, but I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, last weekend, it was one of my friend's birthdays and we all met up at the park and everyone sort of brought a a little dish, you know, something kind of finger food snackable type of a thing. But the person who organized it made sure to bring like blankets and things like that, that people could sit on so that people were comfortable. And they brought a giant cardboard cutout of Pete Davidson so that our group could find, (laughs) you know, so that there was something. Because otherwise you go to the park and there's just all, all these people and you're like, how do I find my group? But if you have a gigantic cardboard cutout of Pete Davidson, then boom, you know what to look for, especially if he's wearing a bright pink hat. Of course. As he was. The host just brings the cardboard cutout and a bunch of blankets, and then everyone brings food, and we're good. That's fabulous. And you know what? You just took something that individually might be 50 bucks each and made it, you know, 10 bucks each. And I'm somebody who does not cook uh, a whole lot, so my specialty for potlucks is uh, I'm the guy who brings the ice and the plasticware and the paper plates and the napkins because somebody's got to bring all that too. Absolutely. That, and that's a great suggestion. Don't get intimidated by the potluck. Right. Let's move on to the next one, which is telling your family that you're on a budget. Jeff, sticking with you, let's say it's the holidays and somebody out there, you know, they don't have money for the gift exchanges. How do you think they, how can they be vulnerable around that? Well, one thing that uh, my family did was was uh, after all the grandkids got to like adult age, we decided as a family, we're not going to have the obligation of buying presents for everyone. We'll just do more like uh, Secret Santa style where we just have one person that we buy another present for. So I think maybe that could be the first step is just cut it back. Yeah, cut it back and kind of agree, get some consensus. And I think 
that might have other people feel grateful that they're off the hook too. And, uh, and, and I would say also something that has worked well for me is <clears throat> I'm a big fan of not giving something that might just turn into clutter on somebody's shelf down the road for gift giving. And I don't want to be the, the cause of someone's Marie Kondo breakdown where then they have to like declutter their whole home. <laughs> so I'm a very, I'm a big fan of, uh, giving experiences and, uh, you know, if you go on Groupon, they've always got great deals on all these different experiences that are at a discount. And, you know, that that experience that you give somebody, uh, there's like um, there's stats out there about how many gift cards never get redeemed. And, you know, if you're going to give a gift card or you might as well be a Groupon where you're not paying full price. Maybe they use it. Maybe they don't. But, you know, the thought is still there and it's not taking up space. It's not creating clutter. And I think that that is kind of like the general idea that at least they have the option for an experience and that they know that you were thinking of them. The experience Len Penzo's nieces and nephews uh, have had to try to get used to that they avoid is the Len Penzo pull my finger experience, which... uh, I've heard, I've heard Glenn. That's the honeybee's experience too. She tries to avoid. (laughs) Please, please. No, Uncle Len. No, I got that from you last year. Yes. Uh, Len, anything to add? I love, I love those suggestions from Jeff. I love the idea of giving an experience. Yeah, that's hard to beat. I mean, it's when it comes to gifts, I mean, set limits or, or like Jeff said, you know, around Christmas time, instead of giving you know, gifts, do the white elephant exchange stuff. I mean, that's a good way to save money with the family instead of giving, you know, trying to find actual gifts that somebody is like, just do the opposite and everybody bring white elephant gifts. It could be really cheap and everybody can have a lot of fun on Christmas with that. Emily and I wrote in our book about a family that, uh, that one year decided that the gift had to come from a truck stop. And it could only be a maximum of $20. And it just made it super fun for everybody to go to a truck stop. And the next time they're on the road, stop in at whatever the truck stop was and uh, to try to find the perfect holiday gift that says Aunt Linda all over it. You know, it's always more fun when you don't have to think really hard, you know, Uh, Paula, how about you? Anything to add? I mean, I love the truck stop idea, like, because those are the kinds of places where you you kind of want to spend some money, but you can't really justify it because you know that it's just like, like, why do I need a CB radio when I work from home? (laughs) And so it kind of it plays to your desire to to make a a little indulgence when you're like you're in the middle of a long road trip, you're bored, you know, you kind of want to buy something, but you have no reason to. And, you know, that's a, a perfect reason. We're going to talk about uh, some other situations. That one I wanted to end on there. It's a little more fun, but what if you're paying off debt and uh, your family kind of knows that you're working your way out of debt? What about finding mentors to help you in your road while you're being vulnerable? How how can you be vulnerable with somebody to say, you know what, I just need more help? We're going to talk about that in the second half of today's discussion. But before that, it's time for our trivia challenge, peeps. We do a trivia challenge on every uh, episode on Monday and Wednesday, we turn to you, but on Friday, we have this epic, epic battle between our three contributors, Len Penzo, Paula Pan, and my co-host OG, Jeff. Today, you are playing on behalf 
of OG. And Jeff, because we're playing for this year-long trophy, you'll be able to help OG claim part of this trophy. So no pressure. There's is so there a prize <laughs> for giving an answer that's furthest off from the right answer? There is not. But uh, yes, you, there'll be twenty dollars in the mail to you, Jeff, if you can do that. <laughs> yeah, Len like is hoping. That. That. <laughs> Len is hoping you do that. But I don't know. I don't think you can beat our mutual friend Doc G. Doc G has a knack for just being billions and billions away. But uh, Jeff, we got good news and bad news for you playing four OG. You want the good news or the bad news first? Start bad news, please. The bad news is you're not winning. You're in second place. So Len Penzo has eight. You and OG have six and a half. And Paula has five and a half. Both of you uh, one time tied. You were on both sides of the right answer. So that is what we're doing. Uh, But I don't have the question. My good friend Diana Merriam has the question. Diana, let's hear today's trivia question. stackers i'm joe's mom's cousin diana and speaking of vulnerable how vulnerable are you when you're floating around with only a spacesuit made by the lowest bidder on this day in history astronaut ed white experienced vulnerability firsthand when he became the first american to go for a walk in space he spent about 20 minutes floating in space I'm sure playing with his iPhone the whole time, trying to get a signal, with only a 23-foot tether to the spaceship as the world floated below him. I'm sorry, but this sounds more like a space swim. A large format photo of Ed measuring 11 by 14 inches sold at auction in 2020. My question is, how many British pounds did it sell for? I'll be back with the answer after I moonwalk to the fridge. All right. Diana's going to head to the fridge. And uh, we start with the man in first place, Len Penzo. Big auction uh, on so, this. So let's get this. So there was some cutout of some guy. What was this? A, it was a photo. A photo of some it, guy. Th- this isn't Pete Davidson, Len. <laughs> <laughs> He's still on. Right. How do you get a large thing of Pete Davidson? That's, that's what, it was a large photo of the guy. How how big was the photo? Did you say it was eleven by fourteen inches? Oh, so okay. not not really that huge. How much in Great British pounds? Yes, sold in this? British pounds. What years? Uh, it was uh, he did it back in nineteen sixty five, but uh, the auction was fairly recently. All right. Fairly. I can just reread the whole question for you. No, <laughs> apparently, apparently, Uncle Len sorry, fell asleep Diana. during the. I'm sorry. Trivia. I'm, sorry. I'm just. I don't know. Um, where do you begin? Great. The the pounds things just. Uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody had a thousand bucks, and what's the exchange? I'm going to say thousand bucks, but then Great British Pound. What's that? About one and a quarter to a dollar, maybe. So. $1,250. So at auction just recently, uh, $1,250 bucks yeah. that sold for. Okay. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Okay. I'm going to swing for the fences here because, uh, you know, they have NFTs that are selling for millions of dollars, although I think that they just took a huge dump lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So NFTs becoming the new Beanie Babies. Yeah. <laughs> So my first thought is that some of the the best selling NFTs are around a million dollars, but I don't know that a, 
a picture that's that small, the 11 by 14 inches would, uh, would fetch a million dollars. So I guess I'll try to be more conservative and I'll say a hundred thousand dollars. And since the exchange rate is like, uh, $1.26 to British pounds, I'll make it 126,000 just so that I have a more unique number. But let me get your logic straight, Jeff. So you're saying that a, a physical photo <laughs> being sold would fetch less than something that doesn't even exist in the universe? Well, the thing with the NFTs is that the ones that get all the hype and all the press attention are like such a, a diamond in the rough that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I realize that that's not really a fair comparison. So that's why I'm not going to go for the full like million dollar plus price point. I but, really uh, wish you would have, Jeff. It's not too late to reconsider. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go $126,000. $126,000. Paula Pant. This is interesting. We got, we got 1200 then uh, Jeff added a couple zeros to that. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so Len's guess is 1200 Jeff's guess is 126000 1250 1250 All right, Jeff's guess is $126,000. Uh, and I've been hearing the term bucks been used interchangeably with British pounds, but I'm just going to assume all, all numbers are British pounds. Uh, so... Yes, uh, Len, you're talking about twelve fifty pounds, right? And Correct. I know Jeff did the translation to one hundred and twenty six thousand pounds. Actually, you know what? My math is I, I did it reverse. It's it's one point two six. It's it's one point two six dollars or two five dollars to the. So really, the number should be the inverse of that. So Lower, really like yeah, Jeff, yeah. you did it backwards can, as well. So, can uh, so I, if so my if my answer is in pounds, then it would be a hundred thousand pounds, just even number that. Oh, gotcha. So uh, okay, hundred thousand pounds. Got you. Well, mine would be $750. Pounds? You mean? I mean pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Units. Len's just going to go with units. <laughs> All right, Paula, now that we got that, I think I understand that mess. <laughs> okay, so Len's guess is 750 British pounds. Yes. Jeff's guess is 100,000 British pounds. Wow. Um, hmm. that's, that's quite the spread. Uh, what I have learned is that when the spread is this wide, rather than Chelsea Brennaning someone by guessing too close to their guess, I should instead position myself for the widest range of the middle. Um, so I will go fairly squarely in the middle and guess 50,000. Eh, how about 51,000 and one uh, British pounds? <laughs> Just to make the math as difficult as possible. <laughs> you, you realize it's a bigger spread between 100,000 pounds and infinity pounds, right, Paula? Yeah, but I, I think it's more okay. likely that uh, the answer right. is somewhere south. Well, guess what? I wish we could tell you, and we will tell you, but we don't play that way. We'll be right back. Doug, you uh, you know that I was a Marine, right? I had no idea. You know that joke. You know How do you know if somebody is a Marine? This, you don't have to know. The, they'll tell you in five minutes. Yeah, this, is a, this is a CrossFit. It's like CrossFit or Peloton. Or vegan. Yes, or vegan. Yes. I'm two of those four. 
you're a vegan? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? You talk about barbecuing an awful lot for a vegan. I got to keep everybody on their toes. Uh, So everybody thinks Navy Federal Credit Union, and they think, oh, well, it's for the Navy. It's not for the Navy. It's for everybody in the U.S. military and their families. If you're a Marine like me, you can join Navy Federal Credit Union. If you're active duty or reserve or uh, your parents or your kids, it's just a great resource to be able to find great banking services. Navy Federal Credit Union has been around for more than 85 years and made it their mission to help people in the military community. And if you're a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, you save an average of 352 bucks a year between savings and interest and earnings. You get a better savings rate than the industry average. You get a better credit card rate if you happen to carry a credit card balance, which you should not do. No, no, no. But if you're doing it, you better get a better rate. And interest rates are going up. So pay attention to that sort of stuff. 352 bucks a year pays for a lot of CrossFit sessions. A few, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like two. And um, did you say like two? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Uh, that's not one of my four on the list before. They've got branches all over the country. They've got branches all over the world. So wow. wherever you happen to be, Navy Federal Credit Union is going to be there for you. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. That's NavyFederal.org. I'm not going to say NavyFederal.org yeah, like Joe always I'm says. glad you didn't. Because every time he does that, I think, but they're not pirates. Why is he doing the ARG thing? They're the opposite yes, of pirates. The Marines are pirates, 100%. Really? Yes, 100%. <sighs> yes, absolutely. Vicious pirates. Okay. Insured by NCUA. Dollar value represents results of the 2020 Navy Federal Member Giveback Study. Value claim based on Navy Federal's 2020 Member Giveback Study. Credit card value claim based on 2020 Navy Federal as low as APR averages compared to industry average APR averages as of December 31, 2020, published on creditcards.com. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, we kicked off our guessing game, Len. You with uh, 750 pounds feeling pretty good? No. It's the first moonwalk, my friend. 750 pounds. It's like you're thinking it came out of a gumball machine or something. I don't know. 
like Jeff said, it's not an NFT. Everybody's asking, by the way, I said, Beanie Baby's nice at Gumball Machine. Gen Z screwed on this episode. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What are these things? Uh, you said, thanks for the gumball, Mickey. Anybody, how many people out there know what that means? It's a whole, whole nother podcast. Let's see. <laughs> Len, Len Penzo old guy stories for the, for the win podcast. Uh, Jeff, 100,000 pounds. How are you feeling? A little bit nervous. I think I started sweating. Well, you got the whole, <laughs> you got the, you got the whole upside though. Like Len said, if it's more than a hundred thousand pounds, you're the man. That'll buy a lot of beanie babies. That it, <laughs> yes, it will. Paula, you got the middle. Feeling good? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling reasonably good. Sure, you're at fifty one thousand. All right, Len's locked at seven hundred fifty pounds. Jeff at a hundred thousand. Paula's at fifty one thousand. Diana's got the answer. Let's find out. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. Today, we're talking about a photo of the first spacewalk by Ed White back in 1965. The photo in question was sold at Christie's and was one of only 16 taken by Ed's fellow astronaut, who must have ran out of film with his Instamatic camera. We had something called photo developing back then. Long story, Gen Z, look it up. On the transcript of the moment, the astronaut taking the photo says, just a second, you're right in front, Ed. You look beautiful. To which Ed replied, I feel like a million dollars. Well, how much did the image of this moment sell for? Not quite a million dollars but 10,625 pounds or about $14,000. And that means Len is our winner. Get out of here. I was only one zero off. You were. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you foretold the future, Jeff, that you were the furthest away. So congratulations on that. Big achievement. (laughs) Nice. Good work. And uh, Len Penzo, the rich get richer. You now uh, extend your lead. Yeah, I tried to give it away. I even went lower than my original. <laughs> yeah, and I still won. And got Very it. good. And Paula, the time that Chelsea Brennaning somebody would have worked, you decided. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Way too it's, good it's to It's always the opposite of what, uh, of what I guess. I know. All right. Uh, that's enough of the trivia. Let's jump back in. Today we're talking about situations where you're getting vulnerable about your money. We started off with these three fine contributors talking to them about being vulnerable about their money. Diana, you're somebody who also, uh, you had to face this, being vulnerable with your money, quitting your job. I mean, I, I even wonder if, you know, you've talked about your old company, your old boss. I wonder if you ever wonder if they read some of the stuff that you've talked about. Oh, they do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I wrote this article where, you know, when you write for a publication, you write the content, but a lot of times you don't have control over the title that they give that article because they want to make sure it's really clickbaity. Oh, no. And the title of this article was like, how I got away from a bad boss. Oh, no. And I definitely did not write that title. I mean, it wasn't wrong, um, but I wouldn't have said it that way. (laughs) But do you think your boss read it? Is that the takeaway? Oh, yeah. 
uh, someone at um, it was a pretty big publication. So some at my at my former employer found it and passed it around. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, but it is what it is. What are you going to do? Did they feel the same? The person that passed it around? I mean, I got a lot of texts like you go, girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah. maybe you did this person like a career favor. If a lot of people feel the same about this boss and, and you've left the company. I mean, you know, people even lie on the exit interview because they want to make sure that they don't burn bridges. And maybe this was hopefully what. The oh, I burned. Needed. I burned bridges. But in my uh, opinion, I felt that they had already burned the bridge with me. So there was like nothing nothing left to burn. You were so I actually wrote, Oh yeah. I actually wrote a pretty scathing exit letter and I released it to my audience on my one year anniversary. So I have to send that to you, Joe. Wow. No, I remember it. Yeah. That's why I asked you that question was because you wrote some scathing stuff. I and, did. Uh, yeah. Talk about getting vulnerable, but did you worry? I mean, when you hit, I can't imagine like I, like I mentioned to Jeff, uh, I can't imagine with that type of a letter, like hitting publish on that, Diana. Well, the way that I look at it, you know, I left due to discrimination and a pretty toxic environment and legitimately a bad boss. Right. I think at my exit interview, I described him as um, profoundly incompetent, <laughs> which is not a very nice word to describe someone. But it was true. And the way that I saw it was me speaking out against discrimination, you know, I was the only woman on my team. I was the lowest paid, yet I was nowhere near the lowest performer. And when I tried to correct that, I was met with uh, just a flat out no. Yeah, that whole, know? That whole so, story, by the way, people should read. We'll put it in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, So people can sure. read it because, oh my goodness. Well, and I just, I justified that if I was burning bridges and maybe someone else, you know, another company in my industry didn't want to hire me because I made a big stink about discrimination. That's exactly the kind of company I wouldn't want to work for anyway. You know, this is the benefit of having that FU money that you're able to not, you know, you cannot stand that kind of treatment. You don't have to be forced to stand that kind of treatment. And so that's the way I justified it. Um, probably not everybody's cup of tea, but that's, that's what I decided to do. But it worked and you feel strongly about it. And I think that's, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's great. Let's jump into downsizing to pay off debt. Let's say that you're in a position where, you know what, I can't, I have to downsize my car. Maybe I no longer have a car because I had to pay off debt or I downsize my house. We talk about the things that are uh, the biggest drivers of your budget are your housing expenses, your uh, transportation costs, and then your groceries. If you are getting rid of either your house, maybe to move back home with parents, or you're getting rid of your car so that you can save big money, uh, Paula, how do you explain a move like that to your friends? Uh, again, it's framing it in the positive instead of in the negative. So instead of being like, wow, woe is me. I had to get rid of my car because, you know, life sucks. Instead, or or blows to, you know, circle back to the beginning of this episode. <laughs> I'm not a fan, Paula. I'm not a fan. Oh, but I'm... That was the joke I used at the beginning and Diana stepped on it. Aww. Well, you're set up blue. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, so yeah. So instead of framing it in the negative, again, I would just frame it in the positive. I'd be like, hey, I've got this goal of being 
free of my credit card debt or paying off my student loans or whatever it is. You know, I, I've got this goal that I'm working towards and I'm super excited because I just figured out that if I sell my car, I'm going to be like way closer to that goal. <laughs> yeah. High five me. Right. So it's it's just a positive framing for exactly the same thing. Yeah, Jeff, I can I, I feel like I don't know you very well, but I feel like I can hear you nodding from miles away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I I claim uh, the most expensive, uh, the most unaffordable city in the U.S. right now is home. I'm in San Diego and we just surpassed San Francisco. And it's like you have to find some way to house hack just to be able to afford some level of quality of life and be able to go out to eat once in a while out here. And because that sunshine tax, that'll that'll really get you. And uh, I had a friend who uh, just moved here from the East Coast and he was looking at condos, modest one bedroom condos. And then from one month to the next, that's when they had that huge increase in the interest rates that went up to like five, over 5%. And then it was just like an impossible thing. There was no way he could afford anymore. It's going to have to wait it out, see what happens, at least with the interest rates. I would, and, uh, I would think that with, with, with a situation like that, like nobody's going to blame you if you can't afford to uh, buy into La Jolla, you know, or, right. or, or uh, you can't afford the high cost of rent in that area. Cause I would imagine it's very common knowledge that it's an incredibly expensive city. Yeah. And so to Paula's point of just framing it in the positive, I, uh, he asked for my advice. And so I just helped him run the numbers of, all right, so if you just take a period of time and then you're going to plan on renting a bedroom instead of trying to rent a whole place to yourself, I was, I was really advocating for don't rent an entire apartment to yourself because that's going to be almost the same expense as paying a mortgage for a place that you own. So, you know, just find a place, find a bedroom that you can rent that's going to be in a good location where you want to live. And then that will save you. We did the math. It was like $1,200 a month. Okay, now that's going to be this much at the end of the year. If you keep saving for a few years, you're going to have this much extra saved up for your down payment for your place when the time is right. Len, uh, it may make sense to have somebody mentor you. In fact, you know, I love the idea of when you're not great at something, asking who, not how, a, a strategic coach, a group that I belong to, uh, recommends that approach. And I've been talking about that a lot lately because it's really worked for me. But if you're looking for that who, somebody to mentor you, what's a good approach to ask somebody to say, you know what? Uh, I kind of stink with money. I stink with this stuff. Could you be my mentor? Uh, that, that would be very difficult for me. Yeah, I guess for me, it wouldn't be difficult. I think the first thing you got to do though, is you've got to be careful when you're asking for somebody to be a mentor. You've got to be sure that appearances, they might you might think that they're really good with their money, but they might not be because oh, good point. You know, you might be judging and say, "Oh, well, look, they've got all this stuff. Got a guy drives a nice car. He's got a beautiful house. He's got all the toys," and the guy could be in debt up to his eyeballs. So somehow, you got to find a way to vet that person you want to mentor you. So, <laughs> Ask, hey, I, hey, I guess I, actually, what I'm I, Joe, I guess what I'm actually <laughs> saying is you should throw caution. You shouldn't throw caution to the wind, really. I, I can imagine your first step then is, hey, can I see your actual uh, net worth statement so I can determine if you could be my mentor or not? <laughs> yes, but 
that joke just went right over. I, I was I was going the blow, the throw but, caution to the wind thing. I'm not a fan, Len. Everybody's head, Len. I'm not a fan. <laughs> over everybody's Days. head. Nice Nothing's job. working for me today. It's circling over everybody's head, <laughs> right? Uh, Paula, mentorship. Yes, sure, that can be a good idea, but. I think you can also find your mentors through books, through podcasts. You can find mentors in the form of people that you haven't necessarily met face-to-face or who don't necessarily know you. But doesn't that make accountability difficult? It does. But there's a distinction between mentorship and accountability. Like mentorship is more um, coaching and guidance around what to do. And accountability is making sure that it is the execution of that what. So one is deciphering the what and the others executing the what. And so certainly I think having like an accountability buddy, you just say like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Uh, Let's check in with each other every now and again. Sure. Yeah, I think that's great. But I'm kind of with Len where it's hard to vet people that you know in real life. And so when you're leaning on people who have published a book, for example, there's a higher degree of vetting there. I want to end this with some big ideas when it comes to to really, Paula, you talked about framing, being vulnerable. If there's one takeaway mm-hmm. from this, and people have a lot of fear, as you know, in this area about being vulnerable about their money situation, what's your big uh, takeaway that hopefully people take home from this? I would say the takeaway is that people will hear the energy that you bring to a given topic. And so if you bring the energy of like, uh, oh, pity, pity me, feel bad for me. My life is so hard. Um, it, it's just not an energy that people want to be around versus you can be completely honest about, I'm choosing not to pay $50 for brunch, but have a really uh, optimistic energy about that. Like, look at me. I get to make this choice and I get to choose what I value most. And I get to choose that instead of paying 50 bucks for brunch, I'm going to throw a pre-party at my place and you all are invited. Nice. You know, or I'm going to throw the after party and you all are invited. It's just a more fun way of sharing the truth. And I'm bringing the uh, Pete Davidson cutout. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Len Penzo, how about you? Big takeaway for people? You don't have to be vulnerable. I think you just have to worry about yourself. And I think you don't have to worry so much about what other people think of the decisions you're making because you're cutting back. Don't worry about it because I think most people really don't care. And like Paula said, just be positive whenever you do have to bring up something that you're cutting back because of a budget. But other than that, you know, don't worry. Most people, they're not going to judge you on your money decisions. And Jeff is the guest of honor, my friend. You've got the last word. I would say that if you're going to be vulnerable and share things about your finances, just be aware that sharing your own hardships and failures, um, I think people would be more receptive and supportive of that. But if you're sharing a victory, I think it's a lot easier for people to feel a little bit of jealousy and they might want to cut you down. So I would uh, be guarded with who you choose to share those victories with. And in terms of being vulnerable with the failures, recognize that progress and success, it's not linear. Life is lumpy. And those hardships, when we hit those rock bottom moments, usually that's the catalyst that gets us 
fired up to then kind of get to that next level that's way higher than we were before. You know, and I said that was going to be the last word, but you had mentioned this before a little bit and uh, followed up with another great point. But I want to focus just for a second on what you share, because I feel like, Jeff, when you say that, you're really talking about leadership in a lot of ways, right? You go from being vulnerable to being a leader and making sure that you're inclusive with all the people around you and really using uh, your superpower for good. For sure. Yeah. And the thing that really resonates with me is transformational leadership, where it's not about having this one person who's seen as this is the one who has all the answers, but more of like, I hope that I can eventually become like a, a transformational leader that helps other people feel empowered to then become their own leader. Because I listen to you guys uh, week after week and you have such a depth of knowledge about finance and just so many different topics that I don't try to, you know, put myself out there as being a personal finance expert, but I think of myself more as I'm just an average Joe and not Joe Salci. I'm an average Jeff. <laughs> That's a good... I'm an, I'm an average. You're not Jeff. the average Joe. <laughs> and I've, I've just figured out the basics to at least get the party started with stacking some Benjamins. And so I think that if anybody takes anything from my story, it's that you don't need to have a PhD in this to just get things going. And so when you get to those crossroads where you have a big decision to make, then you can turn to the experts, the people who have the same level of experience like Joe, like Lynn, like Paula, but don't feel like you need to be that expert just to get started. Uh, I love that point. We will also end with talking about exactly what's happening, where these amazing contributors of our are. And if you want more from them, I would definitely go check out their work. And let's start with you, Mr. Penzo. What's happening at lenpenzo.com that stackers everywhere should be paying attention to? At lenpenzo.com, you know, there are, we're trying to make our dollars now stretch as far as we can when we go to the grocery store. Well, I identified the six most valuable items at the grocery store with the most uses. So out of six items at the grocery store, there's at least 200 uses for these six products that I identified. So if you're interested in what those products are, stop on by and uh, you'll probably make your dollars stretch a little further by buying them and using them for multi-purpose. Oh, interesting. The uh, Swiss Army knife stuff. Yeah, but there's no Swiss Army knives there. There's, so you're that's getting, not one of them, Joe. If you're oh, guessing, that is not one of the items. Swing and a miss. You'll have to go to lenpenzo.com to find out what is there. Paula Pant, uh, well, Len alluded to the fact that you're speaking to Nobel Prize winners. Which Nobel Prize winner are you talking to this week? <laughs> <laughs> no Nobel Prize winners. In fact, I have never had a Nobel Prize winner on my show. I've, I have had many very impressive people with uh, amazing credentials, but no Nobel Prize winners. But I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do have uh, Vanessa Van Edwards on the show. She leads a behavioral uh, research lab called the Science of People, and she talks about um, how to essentially how to connect with people better. So actually this ties in perfectly with this conversation around vulnerability because so much of what we both encode to others and then decode from others happens below what we verbally communicate. It happens through body language, through eye contact, through our, through the way we use our hands. Um, you know, it, it happens through these subtle cues. Does she have a, so does, she have, does she have a new book out? 
She does. She has a book called Cues. Which is interesting because I've been hearing her name a few times lately. You'll have the best interview with her, of course. But I talked to her a couple of years ago and she was, she was brilliant. So I just, uh, I did not know she is a new, new book out, but fantastic yes, person to talk absolutely to. absolutely fantastic. Yes. Great, great, great person. And you will hear that amazing interview at Afford Anything. Mr. Underwood, I'm so glad we got you on the show, my friend. It is so great that, well, hopefully we can help people you know, find your brand more because I love the way that you write. I love what you do. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Just uh, honored to be in such great company and uh, to hear all these dad puns in real time. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you too, I'm glad at the top of the show, you explain where the name of your blog comes from, because obviously the word homo is a word that I, I don't use. I don't use regularly. So when I saw the name of your blog, I went, holy cow, but I love that you're reclaiming the word. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, related to that, um, I was able to get the the social media handle at homo underscore money on uh, all the major platforms except Facebook because when I tried to claim it for my Facebook page, it kept getting flagged saying like this, hate speech. Yeah, this is a hate speech handle. Yeah, and so yeah. so then for that platform, I had to actually spell it out: hustle, own, money, opulence. Uh, so yeah, my my hope is that I can kind of put some positive uh, associations to the word homo and uh, also kind of create a new archetype for, you know, my community to uh, have someone who, you know, is frugal and is a money nerd and that, you know, that could maybe be something to aspire to that we don't have to necessarily just have fun by, you know, spending all the Benjamins, but uh, we can find fun ways to uh, be frugal. What is something you wrote recently that we should uh, send people to? So let's see. I think that if someone goes to my homepage at the bottom of the page, there is the most popular posts. That's a good place to start in the spirit of being vulnerable. I'll share with you guys. I had a four legged furry loss um, in my household and you know, every social media content creator conference, they always say, you guys, you need to have a consistent schedule. You need to post consistently on all the platforms with your blog. And you know, this whole experience that happened a couple weeks ago, it just rocked my world. And I, I feel like now all the priorities have shifted. And now I'm just like, maybe I'll just be more like a Mr. Money mustache type of blogger where when I have something that I'm really compelled to write about, then I'll, I'll post it and maybe it'll be every month, every two months. But I just like working full time, going to school full time, and then trying to run a brand on the side. I think I was just getting a little bit burnt out. But still, you've got so much stuff. Like I was, I was digging through it today just before we went on. And there's so many timeless lessons that you share. And what I also like, Jeff, is the fact that you're coast financially independent uh, means that you can do that. You can take time exactly. off when you want to. And you'll find all of everyone's work, Jeff's, Lens, and Paula's on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com if you're out walking the dog or driving to work, whatever it might be. Diana, by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you one more time tell everybody Economy Conference coming up next year. 
Yep, that's right. Tickets on sale at economyconference.com. And remember, economy is spelled with an M-E at the end, not an M-Y, because apparently I think I'm so clever. The economy of me. Think of it that way. That's the way I always think of it. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Diana, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, listen to Jeff Underwood and our panel. Vulnerability? Honesty is way more fun and better for your bank account than the alternative. Trying to be something you aren't. Second, take Paula's advice and don't frame your money decisions in a negative light. Rather than saying that brunch isn't in your budget, talk about how excited you are about your current savings goal. But the big lesson? If you're ever in outer space, be sure to take a selfie. You never know how much it will end up being worth. While I may not get to go to outer space, I have been to Hopskins Feed and Seed in Texarkana. What if I just took a picture in front of that? How much do you think that'll get me? Thanks to Jeff Underwood for joining us. You'll find his writing at homo.money. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you're listening to us now. Thanks to Len Penzo. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com. And when I'm not stacking Benjamins, I'm planning an epic, an epic party about money called the Economy Conference. Grab your tickets for our next big bash at economyconference.com. This show is the property of SB Podcast, LLC, copyright 2022, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program. Find out more at powerhousewriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine is our producer. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith are social media mavens. And Brooke Miller handles the show notes and our amazing newsletter, The 201. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. That's it for today. We'll see you back here on Monday on Stacking Benjamins. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What what happens in the after show stays in the after show. You know, we've talked about these times when we've been uh, vulnerable and how uh, it takes courage to be vulnerable. But there are times when you're trying to be vulnerable and it goes awry. It goes the the wrong way. I remember that uh, I was in college 
there was this uh, person that I was having a great discussion with and she comes up to me at this bar that we're at and said like a little bit after our conversation that, Hey, I'm going to the bar down the street. Just thought you'd like to know. Now, Paula, if, if somebody that you just had a great conversation with said to you, I'm going to the bar down the street. I just thought that you should know. What do you think of that? Like, what is that signal? It it signals an invitation. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Apparently that wasn't the case because I go to this bar down the street and here she is with this group of friends, but she's sitting in one of these circle booths, you know, and she's like right in the middle. She's got two friends on one side, two friends on the other. So it's impossible for me to talk to her. And like for an hour, I just keep kind of passing by her table and there's not much going on. So finally I decided, well, you know what? She invited me over here. So I decided I was going to show some vulnerability. I would get some courage. And I walked up to the table and she and all four of her friends look at me and I said, Hey, and she goes, Hey, and I said, Hey, uh, you told me you're coming over here. So I followed you over here and I'm not sure why. And she looked at me and goes right in front of her friends. I'm not sure why either. Wow. Oof. <laughs> I'm like cringing listening to that. Wow. Oh, that's painful. I that was, is so painful. I was so destroyed in front of all five of these women. And I'm like, oh my God, please no. Please. I just want to die. Can I die now? So I'm wondering about vulnerability gone astray. Maybe it doesn't have to be that bad. Here's one that I found on BuzzFeed. Uh, this person writes, as I was crossing the street, I saw an old uni fr- university friend crossing from the other side. I knew he lived on that street, so it just made sense that I shouted, Zach, with arms wide open for a hug and the biggest smile on my face. Wasn't until I was a foot away from him and saw a distinctive, who the F are you look on his face, that I realized he was, in fact, not my friend Zach, just a guy who looked similar. You're bringing it in for a hug with a stranger and you figure out that that's maybe not who you thought it was. I don't know. Paul, Len, Jeff, Diana, anybody uh, have one of those awkward moments? That reminds me of something that a story my friend likes to remind me of often. Well, we were at the DMV and uh, there was a woman working at the desk who was not very friendly and was barking at everyone when it was their time to come up. To the, to the counter. And so she was very like, did not give you a lot of time, like, like get up here right now. And so she was, I wasn't sure if she was talking to me or if she was talking to my, my friend who had just been up there. Uh, Cause she was like, Hey, get back over here. Cause she was, uh, I think it's called wall-eyed. And, and so I, I wasn't trying to make fun of her. I just said, I, are you talking to me or are you talking to my friend? Oh no. And, my friend no. brings that up all the time and laughs and says, I can't believe you said that to that woman. So I was not trying to make her feel bad, I swear. I got to tell you, Jeff, the same story. You just got done telling your story about your poor dog passing away. And I'm like, hey, if you're out walking your dog, well, I thought that at the end of the show, I'm like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no worries. Nice, nice job, Joe. Uh, Len, there's no way you've made it this many years through life without stepping in it once or twice. Oh, I'm sure I've, I've stepped in a lot of stuff 
in my days. But I, honestly, Joe, I can't think of anything. I've been sitting here trying to think. I can't. There's I no can't. when's the baby do? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. I learned that way early. So people saying don't ever ask those kind of questions. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. Yeah. Nope. I'm sorry. Can't think of anything today. No, not good on that one. All right. Uh, Paula, you got the last shot or Diana. You, you know, I was thinking there was a time when uh, I, I guess, Joe, to the, the story that you told, um, I have a similar story, except I was the person on the other side who made somebody feel bad. So uh, there was a house party a few years ago. And towards the end of the party, someone who I don't even remember talking to uh, came up to me and asked for my number. Uh, and, and like, I, I vaguely recognized him as a person who had been at the party, but I don't know what his name was. And I don't specifically even remember what we talked about. He was very forgettable. And so he came up to me and he asked for my number. And I just blurted out the first thing that came to mind. Well, I said, oh, I hadn't considered that. (laughs) And I just saw his face fall. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, just fall. I was like, oh, I hadn't considered that. And his face just fell and then he walked away. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Oh, that's such a bummer. I I do like that you open this up, Joe, and kind of talking about the vulnerability and like expressing interest in someone in that way. Um, And I have been known to hit on a few men uh, back in my 20s and my New York City days. Um, But I discovered one of my favorite ways to do this to solve for the vulnerability part. Because you don't know, like, you know, you see someone in a bar and you want to go talk to them and you don't know if they're, you know, with someone else or what their story is. And so my solve for this, um, and it works super well. I want to pass this on since I am taken now and can no longer (laughs) use this move. Um, But I used to send like an appetizer to the guy that I wanted to hit on. So like I'd send him a plate of mozzarella sticks. And first of all, the bartender would always find this hilarious. And then the bartender would put the food down in front of the guy. And, you know, of course, he'd say, oh, I didn't order this. To which then they point at me like, no, she sent these to you and I get to say hello. And a number of times, you know, the guy was not interested or was, you know, with someone or something, but it always got a huge laugh. So even though it was a vulnerable move, it was always well received no matter what. And we got to enjoy some mozzarella sticks together. So you can walk up and say, are these cheesy? Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I would have known that line or thought of that line at the time. But yeah, that'd be great. You're betting that they're not lactose intolerant. Yes. See, you're making a lot of assumptions here. I get it. But it's a vulnerable move. (laughs) You you need to go with something safer like the... um, uh, Here comes the engineer. The engineer. (laughs) What's a safer appetizer? Could have been a nacho. Could have been a bunch of Fritos. Could have been nachos. Yeah, yeah, nachos seem a little safer than than the cheese sticks. Yeah, (laughs) gluten-friendly. Diana, I have to give you credit because uh, that reminds me of my favorite quote by Lucille Ball. She said, I would rather regret the things I've done than the things I haven't done. Absolutely. Love that. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. 
this Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 